0: RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Wednesday morning on Reality Check Radio is Legal Hub morning. Never a dull moment in the law. That's what I've learnt. And uh, joining us, Katie Ashby-Coppins from Inside the RV today. Looking good, and Nick is back with us. Nick Kearney, with the what's what's the hat you've got on, Nick? Well, I know the listeners can't see it. I, I'll just I'll, well, you can describe it. What is
1: that? Yeah, well, I, I, we've just spent uh, at the moment. Uh, listeners might be interested to know, might not. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm in the Greek island of Paros. Right. Um, I've been here for a couple of days. I've just spent ten days in uh, Croatia and Split, and then and then you Dubrovnik. split. <laughs> and then I split from Split and went down to Dubrovnik uh and that i've got to say uh that coastline that 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 whole environment an unbelievable country I, I absolutely taken with it never been to croatia before but um gee i i'd go back in a heartbeat unbelievable um but you got the cap. you've got the And camp. You know, and I went away and I went away without a, any sort of head covering or cap so i thought you know in croatia i went and bought myself a um it's in the colour of the Croatian football team, red, white, right. and blue. It right. looks a bit American, really, doesn't it? Red, white, and blue. Well, I thought blue, you'd
0: and... been to Daytona or something.
1: <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Looks at, look, it could actually pass, right, yeah, an American baseball kind of, I don't know. Yeah, there we go. And, but and, I thought did, it
0: was a... and didn't someone
1: yeah. th- think you were a Serbian? Yeah, I went into a clothes shop yesterday looking at clothes, and a um, man saw my hat and, 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 th- and thought I was Serbian. Uh, well, wearing a hat that says quite clearly on it, Croatia, and he started gabbling to me in Serbian and waving his arms around madly. I thought, yeah, I'm in trouble here." But um, you should get a uh, DNA
0: test done. You might,
1: you might find. Yeah. It. Well, I, I actually do. I mean, you know, um, my wife, I'm here with, and daughter said, Oh, you know, you could, if you do look a bit Serbian actually." I thought, huh. what, is a, what does a Serbian look like? But anyway, like you? Yeah, like me, I guess. Yeah. The only no, thing is,
0: you've got the us and,
1: on and, on. He, he put his rocket launcher away, so that was good. <laughs> well, that's good. They got a few left over, right, from the nineties. From <laughs> but fun, funnily enough, you say that, but we, you know, we've just come from Dubrovnik, and um, Dubrovnik's like a port city, um, full of tourists now, and it's on the coast and whatever. You, and you'd think, I think, because it was a port city, it was quite a a, um, a key city in in the war in the early nineties, and. There's a lot of memorabilia and photos um, right. around the town of you know the the devastation to the sort of buildings that were destroyed, the the, the shelling and the bombing that went on, and um, goodness, it's um, you know now they've rebuilt it all and it looks magnificent. You wouldn't even know. But uh, I took a few before and after photos, and uh, it's yeah, it's you know we, we sort of think that was um, a long time ago, but actually it was, actually wasn't. It's was only in the early nineties, wasn't it, that they. This country was actually well, not this country. I'm in Greece now, but that country was um, raging in a war.
0: Yeah, and it was it was a horrible war. It was ugly. Yeah. as uh,
1: yeah.
0: one of Clinton's guys um, flew into the hill there, didn't he? And Dubrovnik back uh, during then um, that time. I I, I remember. Oh. We could look that up. I'm pretty sure. I just can't remember the name.
1: Well, but, well um, if I, can I can I say that if it was one of the Clinton's guys, it might have been intentional. Arkansas. What's
0: that? Arkansas, another victim of Arkansas. Arkansas yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I think there was a theory on that. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that, but great no. to hear your experience. And yeah, I've seen some, I haven't been to that those countries, but I've seen um, pictures of Dubrovnik. It, it has that incredible port, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah it's got a nice port and the, the hug. I mean, it just, it just, it just abuts the whole of the coast. So you, you literally yeah. you just drive for 200 miles and and you're just, it's as if you're just driving along. I mean, you are just driving along the Mediterranean for 200 miles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. up quite up quite high. It's quite hilly. Uh, and, and all you see is Mediterranean for, for ever and ever and ever. It's just, and beaches down below you and beautiful old buildings and, and the and weather, you know, it's not quite middle of summer here yet. It's um, it's May, so it's just uh, coming into summer. It wasn't that hot, 21, 22 degrees. So bearable, um, um, beautiful sun every day and just absolutely magic, yeah.
0: All right, and how are you, Katie? Good,
2: well, thank you very much. Very nice to meet you on the weekend, Paul, in person.
1: Yeah,
0: same, same. Um, wasn't that a great time? <laughs>
2: it really really was i feel so blessed um,
0: yeah no um beautiful people and uh, listeners we've been talking about it a bit on and off uh, rodney was talking about it uh, yesterday but we all kind of got together and what would you call it it was like <clears throat> it was like a huge bonding session in a way for me
2: mm, mm, absolutely
0: know? so yeah good to meet you too okay so where are we going to start with the legal hub I've got uh, my lineup uh, that have, that's come through from Katie and Nick to um, refer to. So let's start off with number one, serious concerns and the progression of Ireland's hate speech laws. We had Ivor Cummins on here about a month ago talking about that and uh, he was worried. So what do
2: we know now? Well, if, um, you've had Ivor Cummins, then I would encourage anyone to go back and have a listen to that um, on the replays um, and uh, see where we're now up to it. It is is really quite incredible. Um, So this is a piece of legislation that um, the Irish have um, charged up. It was um, originally a 1988 Act. And they've essentially um, supercharged it with some um, more information and some more offences and some pretty loose and fancy free uh, definitions. So, we've got a bill that seeks to amend the law uh, relating to the prohibition of incitement to violence or hatred against a person or a group of persons on account of certain characteristics of the person or the group. And we've got a list, we've got a list of. Uh, protected characteristics. Oh,
0: um, yeah, what those, are they?
2: Well, ones that you would expect to um, be uh, are there: race, colour, nationality, religion, uh, national or ethnic origin, descent, gender, sex characteristics, sex, sexual orientation, um, or disability.
0: But anything apart from that is okay.
2: <laughs> it, it would it would seem to at this stage. Um, and yeah but i mean this is pretty broad these a lot of these sound very much the same um and similar uh in respect of race you know color nationality um ethnic origin, and descent um but look there may be as different uh variations of what potential uh hate speech uh could be threatened towards all of those in different manners um, but the interesting one, and the one that you probably won't be surprised to know about, is um, the definition of what gender means.
0: Oh, gosh, the gender obsession.
2: Yeah, it, and, and, and it's done, you know, and it's come to light again. And the definition in this case is the gender which person expresses as the person's preferred gender or with which uh, the. Uh, person identifies and includes transgens transgender and a gender other than those of male and female. Um, and what's
0: that? Do we know uh, do we know what that that other than male or well, female gender is? Is it
2: it's what you, whatever you want it to be. Oh, um, I
0: see. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
2: Uh, because you know it's it's how the person expresses or prefers. So look, it is really interesting wording, uh, fascinating legally, um, and look, I, I think that you we would all agree that most people uh, would support the prohibition of incitement of violence towards people um, totally. on the basis of hatred. Yeah. Um, it's just how far this is going um, and how far it could possibly go, and particularly when uh, breaches of these, uh, this act could see um, jail time of between one to five years. Um, yeah, from memory, when think-
0: Ivor was, oh. uh, was on, he was saying uh, the, the next level thing was that even if you'd written something down to yourself, it could be considered hate speech, even if it didn't go to anyone.
2: I feel like there would need to be some publication, um, but uh, because you've got to have an incitement, but look, oh, I mean i I, I don't know. Um, that's something i need to consider further. If yeah. I ever says it, i'm I'm sure it's I'm, I'm, I'm well you know sure they could come right, and look through that's your,
0: Come and look through your journal or your diary, and you might have written, You know, I don't like this or I don't like that. And I think what he was uh, intimating was that that could be extrapolated into. It could be possibly deployed as hate speech.
2: Mm. Interesting, interesting. I'd I have might have missed the point, but I think he said that. Oh look, I, um, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Yeah, um, this—the uh, motivations for this. Obviously, the gender obsession is no surprise, but you know, the, there's obviously support for this from somewhere. This sort of clamping down, buttoning it all down, tightening it down, restricting well, freedom of speech, and yeah. it seems to, to, to not only be there, it's here, it's everywhere. I'm, I'm hmm. always asking this question. I mean, who, who's who's pushing this on us?
2: Yeah, and look, I mean, under the, um, the original 1989 Irish Act, um, which they've now supercharged um, with these new provisions, um, there were still 50 prosecutions over that 30-year period. So it's not as if the legislation wasn't doing something. I, I don't know whether those prosecutions were successful or not, um, but certainly it seems that, you know, there was out there and possibly protecting the worst of the worst um, hate speech um, situations.
0: Yeah, And they've just sort of built on it mm. as a vehicle to to keep on using.
2: Correct. You know, just a, you know, another level, um, another um, step in the direction of, Extreme, um, and yeah, it could be it could be used in multiple ways, but let's think about the Posey Parker event um you know would would similarly event you know those that were uh, protesting angrily with awful signs about uh, Nazis and um bits of pieces, would they similarly be captured under this legislation um as well as you know the women that were saying. I would quite like to be able to use the girls' bathroom without having a man in there, whatever he identifies, whatever they identify as.
0: Well, if you're talking and using that example, again, I'm not the smartest bulb around, but if you're using incitement to violence as a you know threshold by calling or labelling Posey Parker an anti-trans activist and then having a whole lot of people turning up resulting in an 80-year-old being punched in the head and Posey Parker taken down and almost stomped that is an incitement to violence right absolutely. there
2: absolutely absolutely and the emails and the twitter organisation that went into the event you know that's that's clear incitement um, but in in today's day and um, age who's to say that that would this legislation would be used in that direction
0: Well, it was Um, never commented on by anyone who usually rabbits away about this as an example of hate speech. But to me, if you want to know what hate speech is, it's right there.
2: It was very much. Using
0: those definitions.
2: It was very much there. Um, so it was it was incredible to see um and just really the last point on this is I guess what's more concerning is its progression through Parliament um the bill has garnered much um, support of the Irish Parliament passing in the lower house um, by a vote of 110 yay to 14 nay oh, crikey. um so you know uh we're no, well, we're not Irish, but you know the Irish people are being sell- sold out by their politicians.
0: Well, my heritage is being sold out. I can tell you that because I am mainly Irish.
1: <laughs> well, hang on—that's that, your descent, Paul, isn't it?
0: My descent. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm from. Yeah. I'm ba- you know, well, and from.
1: It's, well, well, you can't you can't actually say this now, but you've gone on site. All oh, right, of course. Yeah, yeah. According to your descent, you could be arrested. Just oh. be careful what you say, Paul. Because wasn't one of the categories, Katie, dissent? Dissent
2: is category F. There
0: we go. Well, maybe we should end this right now. Just We're to, better. As a precaution. Yeah, my grandfather was born in Dublin, from Dub- Dublin. and yeah, I, I mean, this is, I don't know what to say about this. It's, it's just with those, that voting, those vote numbers that you just read out, Katie, I mean, it's a lost cause, isn't it?
2: Um, I think fait accompli is a word that I'd yeah, probably use to describe the situation I mean it's going into the it heads into the Senate for the debate Ireland has a slightly different um, structure of government to what we have um, but if it's got that support on the ground um, and um, you know at, at, at the first house level then or the lower house level then who's to say I'm not sure of the uh, current party structure in um in Ireland and if the Senate is the same as the lower house, but it certainly looks like they got a majority and it would no doubt capture other parties.
0: Well, I ever said that the only hope was for the president himself to refuse to sign it.
2: Wow. Okay.
0: All right. Anything to say about that, Nick?
1: Uh, A couple of observations, I suppose, Um, or three perhaps. One is that, um, you know, as we've talked about even here, but in the past, I think, uh, incitement to violence and inciting a riot and threatening language and all that stuff has already been it's been a criminal offence for 50, 60, 70, 80 years, a long, long, long time, right? So um, none of this stuff is is actually new. You're never allowed to do that in the first place uh, anyway. And if you remember Dave Dobbin back in the, the Queen Street riot days, he was charged for I think inciting a riot or inciting violence or something like that. So... Um, so what 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 this sort of legislation does, and, and you know, it's quite right what was just been said. It, it is just a, a well, I mean, you could say it's a slow creep towards authoritarianism, but it's. I think it's more than just a slow creep. Now it's probably quite a rapid nosedive towards it. You know, and I was just going to ask Katie, but it's not there by the sound of it because I haven't looked at this um, proposal. But uh, medical or vaccination status is not in the proposed areas of. Um, uh, and discrimination? Good point.
2: No, it's not unless you call that a disability. Um, and sex isn't it, isn't just sex characteristics okay. and sex orientation. So um that too is interesting. Um, I would have thought that you know you've got one, two, three, four five, six, six descriptions for race and or ethnic background, and then you've got gender, sex characteristics, sexual orientation, look, if they're going to be saying gender's male and female there, then, you know, it's interesting as well. I'm surprised sex wasn't there as a separate item on the list. Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess on the one hand, if, you, you know, if you're organising a, uh, inverted commas, peaceful protest against one of those grounds and, and you're not inciting any violence and there's no right and, and everything's relatively orderly, then, you know, Do you have much to worry about i suppose that's one um opposing view but uh, we all know how these things start off and where they end right so um (laughs) it's yeah as i say it's more than a slow creep now it's a rapid nosedive and of course uh, in in new zealand we've got um you know a a new justice minister Kerry allen who's very keen on this sort of stuff as well and um i don't i mean she said she's putting a pause or hipkins said i think just for election purposes they put a pause on it for this year. Um, again, only for uh only for election purposes, but but nothing else. Um but you can rest assured, I think, um listeners that, that if we have, you know, a um a Labour Green um uh, Mary Party government or or something of that sort, uh following October, this will be back on the uh on the front of the list to be pushed through one hundred percent guaranteed.
2: And it'll set did- it will certainly be more than just the religious the a uh, religious group, which was the addition that Kiri um, proposed back in I think October of last year, where there was just a narrow amendment to um, the legislation. what you can ex- what you know if we do get a, a labour government and again, you will see um probably something very similar to this because this will be in, this will be sitting there in the wings. Um, it just hasn't come out But the um,
0: fact yet. that it's been paused, right, the point you made, Nick, for the election, let's say, so for political gain, expediency, whatever, they want to have the best shot. I think they're doomed, but they want the best shot of, of getting over the line, tells me that they know this is unacceptable to New Zealanders, yet they're still going to do it. Mm. Who are these people?
2: And, look, the amendment came out last year um, uh, from Kitty under the guise of um uh the uh Royal Commission into the mass shooting in Christchurch. Um she was going in broad and wide and was I think quite disappointed um with the very narrow addition of just religious group to the um uh, to the amendment in the bill. Uh and then the fact that um Mr. Hipkins in February of this year said it it, it was, you know, no longer being pursued. Um at this stage um, and is simply being paused, you know you can anticipate that you know they might even be borrowing some drafting.
0: Why would you do want to do something that the nation that the population doesn't want?
2: I don't think that it is a majority anymore Paul um, and I'm not sure that you know public servants aren't public servants anymore. they aren't there to serve the public. they are you know very much bureaucrats.
0: Yeah, but there's no one that I talk to that, mind you, I'm in my own little group, I suppose, that thinks any of this, who, who is across it or understands any of it, thinks this is something that should be done. And I get the feeling that that's – they wouldn't have paused this if they thought it was going to help them. Yet you, they seem to be so possessed with it that they, you know, I
1: don't know. Yeah, uh, it's just it, it is just um look' it's ideology isn't it and you know they've they've got their view of the world on, on how it works and how it should work and uh and come I guess you know their, their job in life is to uh push it onto everybody else to make sure that people who uh um people like you and I who who think a bit differently uh, must not think that differently and must subscribe to their world view I suppose but interestingly the other uh, just bringing it you know um while I'm away I've been reading this and I'll show you that this book here. Uh, a book by Ken Follett called um, A Place Called Freedom. Hang on. Can you see it? Anyway. Um, no, no, okay. I, I can grabbed, see it. I can see it. Yeah, I just grabbed off the bookshelf at home and just for something to read, had no idea what it was about. Someone had told me Ken Follett was quite a good author. Um, I had read something of his before, but he tends to write um, sort of um, crime and, and thriller, non-fiction, but anyway um, or fiction, I should say, but I pulled this off the book, and interestingly, it's about that one of the heroes in the book is a guy called um, Matt McAsh, uh, but I won't go into in much detail. We haven't got much time. But this is set in 1780, and, and, and this McAsh guy, he um, becomes a bit of a freedom fighter in London, trying to protect the coal workers there, and stands up for some of the um, awful working conditions. And at one point in the book, he organises uh, a strike, to um, try and improve their working conditions and the um the people in charge of the boats and the other ponds making lots of money off the coal workers don't like this so uh, and, and the establishment doesn't like it as well because there's no trade going through off the boats so they organize um one of the men surreptitiously um organizes um the, the police i suppose the cavalry the army to walk in on horses and they manufacture a riot and they uh, lock up McAsh for rioting because they know that as a result of the horses, the cavalry and everybody else, that the men will run and there'll be a melee and they'll fire a few gunshots and blah, blah, blah. And of course, they can lock McCash up charging with rioting and as a hanging offence, he'll be murdered. So let's put this troublemaker to death, right? Uh, and that's what they do. They they use the law uh, of, at that stage, rioting uh, against against the people that that they want, that they you know, oppose the abuse sort of thing. And so, um, you know, I just think it's just a, a, a relatively recent example from a book that's written in about the 1780s um, and how we've kind of come full circle in New Zealand. And this is kind of where it could lead to in New Zealand, the law being used against the very people that have written it, you know, um, at some stage in the future. We just talked about Posey Parker. Well, they're the ones who are actually inciting the violence. Uh, not not the ones who peacefully wanted to come to listen to Posey Parker.
0: That sounds like lawfare. Is that lawfare? Is that what lawfare is?
1: Uh, I've not heard of that word. You know, warfare. like
0: warfare, but lawfare. You oh, see? lawfare. Yeah. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, lawfare. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Ron Brown was the guy who died in the crash in Dubrovnik, Secretary of Commerce for Clinton. I just saw that. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, all right. Shall we move on? I don't know if I can hang hang out on that subject for much longer. Don't hang no. out on it too It's not, too much. It's not but, good um, for my blood pressure. I can tell What you. we
2: could see in the IPCA report too is, you know, if if, if if lawfare is this particular concept and just taking on from what Nick was saying about the situation it was just described, there in the IPCA report you see them, um, this is into the Wellington protest, the Independent Police Complaints um, Authority report, you see them um, starting to talk about, you know, amending the uh, trespass legislation um, so that the police can get it um, you know, better uh, better right, I was gonna say. Um, you know, get it correct. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, there's certain steps that they had to step to, to step through and they failed um dismally on the second of Feb oh, sorry, on the tenth of February. Um, but you know, that you could consider that law fair where, you know, changing the law to make it much easier for the police to get people on trespass.
0: All right. Um What's this about the average legal worker in New Zealand working nearly a day for a week, a day a week for free? That's nice of them.
1: Yeah, well, I just saw this in a um, a, a newsletter that came across my emails a couple of days ago, and it was uh, kind of a, a press release, if you want to put it that way, by the uh, Aotearoa uh, Legal Workers Union, I think they call, they call themselves, um, uh I, yeah, I think that's that's what they are. Anyway, the the yeah, ALWU, so ATRO Legal Workers Union. And this was a union set up um a few years ago now, still relatively new, uh, to look after the um, you know, protect and safeguard, I suppose, and look after the rights and well-being of legal workers, uh, workers who work in law firms in New Zealand, and they send out a survey to their members uh about you know this uh, the working um conditions and how much they're working and etc and they got the response well of course um the 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 kind of the presser i suppose all the initial statement from the union says the average legal worker in new zealand is working nearly a day for free each week a new report from aotearoa legal workers union has found i'll just repeat that the average legal worker in new zealand is working nearly a day for free each week um well This survey went out um, to its members only, and I don't know how many members they have, uh, but 307 people responded. Uh, In New Zealand, there's 16,100 and something lawyers. Uh, I think there's about 30,000 or a bit less uh, legal executives or maybe 20,000 plus legal executives. There's 36,000 people, legal workers. Then you can count the PAs and all the office assistants. Everybody you, you're probably looking at in New Zealand, uh, you know, legal workers of 60,000, 50,000, 60,000 plus, I would, I would estimate just on my rough calculations. Uh, they got 307 respondents and they determined... That the average legal worker in New Zealand is working nearly a day for free uh, each week because a few people said, Oh, I'm working a bit of overtime, not getting paid for it. So um anyway, I just you, you know, it's kind of um it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really mean too much, I know, to to the average listener of this show, but again, it just reverts back to the um the survey that the the law society put out for its members on the changes to the way lawyers are going to be governed and and again, less than one percent of lawyers responded to that. That that's lawyers only, um, and legal execs, actually as well. But only one percent responded of lawyers, I should say. So um, and of course, the report that was published following that, which has been discussed, I think, last week or week before, um, said that oh, there's a you know, a massive um uh, movement for change, and all these lawyers think that it's not right we have to do this. Well. That was one percent, and this is three hundred and seven out of about fifty or sixty thousand. So, I guess you've got to be careful of the tyranny of the minority sometimes, don't you? That's I guess where I'm coming from with all this. Well, it's even small, smaller than a minority. It's it's a speck. Yeah.
0: It's a piece of it's a speck, dust. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's how that sort of um, survey, or, or that's how that is used to amplify a position. Right? It sort of makes a leap from being kind of ridiculous because obviously no one. Really cares, otherwise there'd be a far better response than that on both the things you're talking about. Um, but it can be used then to say to, to kind of jack it up and inflate its importance in the reporting and the discussion in public, like it means something. When you you, you get down to the numbers,
1: like you've just told us, and it actually means nothing, really, on those numbers, does it? no it means nothing and, and not only that but um i, I, I so i won't go into the detail but the the person who wrote the article in and in, in the um in the magazine or the publication spoke with a few uh leading law firms big law firms uh, about um the payment of overtime and what have you and a, a few of the big ones um said that no no we actually if that happens we we either pay them or give them a day off in lieu or give them a, you know, um, a pretty card or we actually reward them in some way for working extra hours. So, yes, and they may not get paid for it. uh, We don't have overtime in our contracts, but um, they are rewarded in in other ways. And so, i mean, I've I've, been in the industry 22 years. Um, I'm afraid that, you know, the the nature of the legal industry uh, as a lawyer is that, you know, uh, apart from your duty to the court, your duty to your client is 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 10th. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got to, I'm afraid, if you want to be a decent lawyer, bend over backwards to help your client from, you know, the time you wake up, the time you go to sleep. And uh, if that means working overtime for no pay, then you work overtime for no pay. And if you don't like uh, that part of the job, then I, I'm perhaps a bit old school in this, but if you don't like that part of the job, you want to turn your phone off at five o'clock and not worry about anybody else's um, problems that your client's bothering you with, then perhaps it's not the industry for you. That's yeah. quite where I come from. Yeah, you sign up for it. You do sign up for it, and I think we. And you know, it's a good. Um, yeah, well, I don't think you know you're signing up for it when you do, uh, it, to be honest. But it's fairly clear when you you know you're at law school that if you want the reward and you want the acknowledgement and the success and everything that promotions through law has, uh, you've got to work a lot of hours, right? And a lot of it um, for what might deem to be not rewarded. It's that simple, and I'm sorry, but it's it's the way it's the way you get ahead. If you don't like it, then you know. Um, well, in
0: many areas, actually, yeah, not just the law,
1: yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent, yeah.
0: And and you 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 go in kind of with with your eyes open. You've watched all the TV programs, you know, you, the, all the law yeah, dramas. But
1: there's a look. There's a big. There's a big. Um, there is a big, and, and it's not just law. Um, I know it's hitting other industries as well. Uh, is it? I, do I call it a conflict? I'm not sure. But there's a big um, debate at the moment. Of course, maybe a conflict between work-life balance and career progression, and whether the two actually go hand in hand. You know, and work-life balance has um, got loads of definitions. I suppose it's a very nice thing in principle um, to try and have work-life balance, um, but then want to make a partner at Chapman, Triple, Bell Gully well, um, I don't think they're compatible. To be fair,
0: yeah, you've got the choice of not actually doing
1: that. Hundred percent. Yep. I don't problem. want to be a partner of Belgalia, trap my trip. I just want to be a senior lawyer, have a nice yep. life, go home mm. at six, not worry about my emails and whatever. Yeah, but no also, problem.
0: except there'll be times when you know you, people are going to call and they're paying okay. your bills, and you've, you, I mean, like any business with clients.
1: Well, well, well. I mean, you know, that's a good point you make, Paul. It's not that. You know, um the, they're paying the bills and the, and one of the points made in that article was that well, these people are charging the clients for this work. Uh, the clients are paying the bills and it's going to the um the you know the mm-hmm. the partner's bottom, the back pocket yep. of okay, yeah. the workers, right? Yeah. Um except if you you know, the, the point is if you didn't do that work for that client, uh, that client would not be there and you would not have a job. Yeah. That's, That's what it's, we're, we're you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah 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 exactly
0: yeah. Okay. Anything to say about that Katie?
2: Nope, I think you've covered it off um uh very well, but I I guess the only other thing just to finish up on on that which is, you know, um it's it is very interesting to see the change in work ethics um and um I'm not sure if that's a a generation or intergenerational thing, uh but Uh, And maybe I'm on the cusp of it, but I was always um, brought up to work hard, play hard, and you get the rewards. Um. And
0: you can choose to not do that. That's the thing. But you might just have to accept you don't quite get as far as the person who does, and there will always be people who are ultra competitive in what they do. Nothing can hold them back. What are you going to do, pull them all back into the pot and, and, and limit what people can do just to have everyone the same? It's never going to happen. No. Is
1: it? What but you're thing. right. You're right on what you say that these things start off with a survey of 307 respondents, and then some very alarming words. And all of a sudden, people in positions of you want to call it power, I suppose, in the law society decide that the rules have to be changed to try and protect exploited workers even further. Yeah. yeah, and that, that's kind of where it goes.
0: Yeah, it turns, turns out you could fit them in, in your house.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> out of a workforce of maybe a hundred thousand. Okay, yeah. let's move on to what the IRD, uh, um, or well, the guidance they're putting out over trustee tax. What have they been saying?
1: This is this is this is me again. Uh, so in, in the budget uh, this year there were changes to the tax rates for trusts. They got brought up to 39% to match company tax rates uh, and um, also not not company tax rates but the uh, the highest personal tax rate Um, and that was to get around the position where um, uh, people would um, have a trust and funnel income through a trust at a lower tax rate of 33% uh, and save themselves um, a bit of tax in the process. So they, they thought they'd get around that by um, bringing the, tax, the trust rate back to 39% to keep it in line with the highest tax rate we have in the country of 39% for income over 180000 uh, Well, the IRD has um, published on their website uh, um, an example of how if you do have a trust, um, you can um, channel income through that trust to a beneficiary of that trust who might be on a lower tax rate and therefore pay, therefore pay that beneficiary can pay less tax. And so they gave an example of, um, I think it might have been a husband and wife, I'm not sure, but one person earning uh, 181000 and one person in the household earning seventy. and they have a family trust, and the family trust earns income of $60,000 a year. Um, income in the trust can be paid to that beneficiary who's on the $70,000 income, and because you add it together, it's $130,000, they pay less tax. Or that you know they don't reach 180, so they pay less tax. Um, and the ID said, you know, you can still do this, and here's how you go and do it if you want to go and do it. Uh, well, that got some um, pretty a pretty swift response from some tax experts, one at Deloitte, I think, and one from a law firm who said, be careful about doing this because it could be deemed to be tax avoidance. Um, now, the interesting thing about how this works is the Commissioner of uh, Inland Revenue is able to issue determinations uh, that essentially uh, declare what the law is in terms of tax avoidance and tax evasion. Tax avoidance is illegal, tax evasion is not. Um, And and the commissioner can just issue determinations and say, well, this kind of uh, income splitting, if you want to call it that, or directing income to a beneficiary in this manner is tax avoidance in the future? And there was a big case on this uh, probably about eight to 10 years ago with um, some surgeons, I think, down in one in Christchurch, maybe one in Auckland. And they were doing this um, as part of their practice, paying themselves a salary of 100000 or something. And then the rest of the profits was dividend through their company, uh, which was paid through their trust, which was a shareholder in the company. And they're paying it at a lower tax rate. Um, well, that went to the Supreme Court, I think, and the Supreme Court declared it to be tax avoidance, um, uh, I think. So, yeah, they did. So that was quite a quite a, a semi-famous case in, in tax here not too long ago. But my point is that the, the IRD has is issued, uh, given an example on its website, on how to get round the Minister Grant Robertson's latest uh, changes in the budget, which could eventually be overcome if the Commissioner decides, no, 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 I, I don't want this to protect the tax base of New Zealand. I'm going to determine that that would be tax avoidance.
0: Well, would that be retrospective? So, if you'd done it, you know, some years ago, <clears throat> they, the head of IRD, the commissioner, deems that it's avoidance. They can't can't reach back
1: into history. Uh, no, can they, they? Yeah, yeah, yes, they can. Oh, And they can say for for these five or six years that you you declared and paid tax on this amount of money, uh, that was you were avoiding it. So you now he's a here's a bill for four hundred thousand dollars. But
0: can't you say that's what you plus, told me plus, to do? Sorry,
1: plus plus penalties, oh, and right. plus interest, et cetera, et cetera. But well, can, yeah, in this example, in this yeah. example, absolutely you could. Yeah. You could you if you screenshot the website or make sure because they'll take the website down tomorrow, maybe. I don't know. But you know, if you <laughs> take a take a um a screenshot or some note of the website, say, will actually you said, you know, on your website that this was actually um feasible, viable and, and lawful. So that's what that, that's all I was doing. Uh, but anyway, t- time will tell. In, in the future on this, we'll see.
0: Okay, interesting. And and the commissioner can just declare something, and until it's challenged, it is the accepted legal t- standard or status, is it?
1: Yeah, the, the commissioner can issue a determination in terms of the tax laws and say this is how I'm interpreting this this section of the Act in terms of this type of tax transaction, and then um, it's up to accountants, lawyers, or others to to challenge it in the high court and say, you know, it's wrong and here's the reason why it's wrong. And I presume there's a good reason for that. For the commissioner to do that? Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, some... I, I, I think it just comes down to um, um, what they say, protecting the tax base of New Zealand, basically. Right. Yeah. Got to get the money in. All right. Yeah, that's right.
0: Okay. And that's interesting. <laughs> Everyone's screenshotting now. <laughs> Get that print screen. Tap tap.
1: Yeah. Well, there's there, look. There's a um people shouldn't worry too much. I mean, there's there's a meant to be in excess of four hundred thousand trusts in New Zealand. No one really knows how much. A lot of them are just hold assets, don't earn income. I've got one that holds my family home, doesn't earn any income. So yeah. for a lot of people, just hold an asset that doesn't have any income generating from the asset. and they, Yeah, you know, they've really got nothing much to worry about. But there's some trusts, of course have shares and companies and that's how they receive their dividends and whatever so yeah I mean it's uh there's been uh, a um a concerted um can I say attack or uh, yeah maybe a concerted attack on, on on trusts um as as asset protection tools and as tax um, evasion or avoidance tools uh, for quite a few years now and this is just kind of, Yeah, just kind of takes it one step further to make people think a little bit more about whether they should have one, whether it's good for them and whether, you know, um, uh, try and reduce, I guess, the number and efficacy of them.
0: Do you think um, the government doubling our debt in the last five years might have something to do with it? Uh, Yes. Trying to wring every cent
1: that they can. They are squeezing the towel. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And seeing what drops out, 100%. Yeah. Okay. And
0: item four, a couple of bills coming up for submissions to have on your radar. Katie, this is your wheelhouse. That's what they say, isn't it? Your wheelhouse on this one. So what bills and why should they be on the radar?
2: Well, interestingly, we've got the Land Transport Road Safety Amendment Bill, um, which has submissions due in on the 4th of June. Uh, look, it's... Uh, been going through the um, uh, processes at a reasonable speed. I can't complain there. I think the last reports I've seen were dated about October 2022. Um, You know, it's to allow the police to be able to serve documents electronically. um, And then... um, Is that because uh, um, they
0: don't have enough people to turn up at the doorstep now?
2: Personal service is actually quite cumbersome and, you know, it's really quite easy to evade. Um, and you know people aren't silly, and if they're a bit used to the system, then you know they know what they're doing um and you can just deny who you are and it, electronic um i electronic um service I think is um is quite a good way because you can also do a read receipt and various other things and I'm even aware of service happening by facebook messenger um. <laughs> for the guy who lit the cigarette that burnt down the apartment block in Melbourne. Um, wow. So, you know, there's, there's things that can happen. Uh, and then it, the Act just allows for the impounding of vehicles in further ways and with further ba- um, certain behaviours. Um, and I guess the reason why I think that this is an interesting bill that people might want to um, uh, make submission on is is that, you know, we have a, currently have a major problem with ram raids, and this bill... Doesn't seem to touch on the issue. And so, if safety and um, is a, uh, well, reduce unsafe behaviour on New Zealand roads is a, is a desire, then, you know, surely that includes ram raids. And, um, you know, I do appreciate that a lot of the ram raiders are um, of an age which uh, makes them juveniles or difficult for the police to be able to deal with. Um, but let's get real. Um, you know this is a major problem, and it doesn't appear that this bill, which is about road safety, is in any way going uh, ahead and dealing with uh, this issue. And I could be wrong. This ram raiding legislation could exist in others. Um, I'm not aware of it. Uh, Nick might be given his background in um, criminal, uh, so as a police officer. But look, it does look like it's um, it. It's just only going to do so much, uh, which is a, smi- a, smi- a small portion of the pie. So um, submission's due on that 4th of June. You can go to the legislation website, Parliament website for that. Um, and then, of course, by tomorrow, uh, close of business is the requirement to get into uh, the New Zealand Law Society. Any comments that you feel um, should be made about the proposal that the um, legal profession uh also comply with principles of the Treaty of Waitangi and um, conducting their uh, roles and responsibilities as a lawyer.
0: How many people um, responded to that one again? (laughs) Was it 300 or a couple of hundred? Wasn't it a very low percentage who gave their feedback to that?
2: I think it may be the same people that were complaining about being overworked.
0: Okay. All right. (laughs) And and what... um, I mean, we don't have to go into any detail here, but w- what principles would they be in effect? I mean, how, how would you operate un- under those? You'd have to be, what, measuring off everything you do against what, a whole raft of principles. Is that how it works?
2: Sort of. It's a really good question. And I was just reading the um, uh, the Bill of Rights legislation or the Bill of Rights report that sits beside this uh, Land Transport Road Safety Amendment Bill, and and in there is um, the, these comments about uh, those that are likely to cause trouble on the roads, and the way that this bill is looking to respond to are most likely to be motive. So for um, uh, equality um, and the Treaty of Waitangi, then we're going to have all these provisions that you know it means they can get their car back further uh, faster. It's not a compulsory acquisition um, for. Impounding um, and all of these extra concepts so that, you know, if they can't get to work anymore, um, then, you know, that, that, that their car will be returned to them. And I struggle with that being an intention under the version of the Treaty of Waitangi that I've read. Um, but, you know, how do you go and apply that to a situation where uh, you're acting for... Um, Oh, look, I, I don't know. The, the, yeah. I think the simple answer is I have no idea, um, and I think that that's pretty much the majority of people's submissions is how do you apply that. Um, but I know Nick's done fabulous submissions on it, so he'll no doubt have a view too.
0: Any comments to make about that, that oh, Nick, before I, we I, look, I
1: listened, Yeah, I listened to um, Rod Mulgan's uh, interview here with Rodney Hyde um, from a few days back. we used to go anything. to school with him. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And he made the point, which of course has always crossed my mind, is is the principles are unclear. They're not, you know, um, no one's ever really elaborated as this is what they are, and this is what you must do. So, one of the aspects of of law is that it needs to be certain, and, and if the principles are even uncertain, and in fact you're meant to follow the uh, the Maori version of the treaties called Tiriti, not the not the European version. And mm-hmm. the principles under that version could be vastly different because um, they seek a you know a better outcome for that um, for that race than they would if you followed the principles under the European version. So, oh, look, it, it's I mean that that look that's one thing. The thing that really um, I struggle with is this. Let's say you walk into a law firm, Paul, and you say, "I you know I'm just Paul. I'm Brennan. I, I haven't got um, I need some powers of attorney. I'm getting a bit old," and um, and I, in case I go gaga, I should have, make sure my son and my daughter can look after me. And I haven't got a will. It's a bit old, or I have, it, but I need to do a new will. Right? P- pretty simple work for, for most law, law firms. Um, and you know, they go through the um, who, who do you want your attorney to be, your daughter, your son, and you know what do you want them to be able to do for you, and 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 your will, do you want it split equally? The first thing they got to do now is say, well, hang on a sec, Paul. Um, what does the Treaty Waitangi say about um, about the powers of attorney and the will that we might be writing for you? Let me just go see what the principles of the treaty say about the partnership between the Crown and uh, Māori uh, and how that relates to powers of attorney uh, that we have to do for you now um, in favour of your son and daughter and everything else. I mean, that's the absurdity of it because that's what it is a fundamental obligation to consider that. And in your situation I've just described, they are utterly and completely irrelevant and, and just do not make any sense to apply them or consider them whatsoever, but they'll be a fundamental obligation if this goes through. And will it be extra billing? Well, it um, has to be because, because I can tell you that um, the only thing that more law and regulation does uh, to lawyers is give them more work.
0: Okay, well, that sounds like a pretty... Pretty good note to finish on, I think. Anyone got anything else to say before we... Well, uh, you
1: know, and that's just on that point, you know, it will give them more work and there's only 24 hours in a day. They may have to do a bit of overtime uh, to do it. And and then the union will jump up up and down and complain about it. And and you can guarantee, and I haven't checked, but you can guarantee that the Aotearoa Legal Workers' Union would have been 100% in support of of this change. (laughs) All right.
2: No, which, but is going people... to create,
1: which is going to create more work for their members.
2: They're now going to be working for two days for free.
1: Two mm-hmm. days for free, yeah.
0: Should never have signed up for it. All oh. right. Um, great to hear um, from you, Nick, across the other side of, of the planet. Um, you're in Greece at the moment. Um, when are you back in New Zealand?
1: Uh, the 11th of, uh, 11th of June, Sunday 11th of June. So mm-hmm. here for uh, this week, next week. We're in San- well here for the rest of this week. Santorini, another island for four days, uh, and then um, uh, a- a- Athens for a couple of days, and then flying to Dubai. I'm staying in Dubai for a couple of nights before we head back. So, um, so we got here, Santorini, Athens, and Dubai before back on back in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And while you're doing that, you're in the RV, Katie.
2: I'm in the West Wing. Thank you very <laughs> Sorry, much. Sorry, the Paul. West
0: Wing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an RV, but it's called the West Wing. Uh, lovely wood paneling, by the way.
2: Oh, thank yeah. you. It's all real.
0: Okay, of course it is. <laughs> Touch wood, not. All right. Katie, Ashby Coppins and Nick Kearney, our legal hub for this week. Thanks so much, guys, and we'll we'll talk again next week.
1: Thanks.
2: Thanks, Paul. See you guys. Bye-bye. See you. See ya.
0: RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality check radio.